Good, ever, good morning, everybody. It's February 27, 2023. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer. This is my weekly economic and market commentary for the week beginning, of course, today. If you'd like further commentary, you can follow me intro week on the Twitter at ETF underscore strategist or on LinkedIn, just my name, Herb Morgan. As a reminder, this is uh, available as a podcast or as a subscription-based narrated weekly economic and market commentary. Quick, uh, quickly, the presentation is prepared by us for use with you, whether you are an investor or a financial advisor. Regardless, you are expected to make your own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation is investment advice, nor should it be treated as such. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything is purely for informational purposes. Let's get started. Um, you know, we had you know was it three straight negative weeks for equities in the U.S. as investors recalibrated their expectations for interest rates, which are recalibrated based on you know a, a rough inflation report last week. So everybody thinks interest rates now will be higher for longer. For that reason uh, alone, you needed to uh, bring down values on uh, on the stock market. Economic data, though, was mostly mixed to somewhat good last week. Uh, manuf manufacturing is measured by uh, the S&P Global PMI, the monthly reading for February. It's a flash reading. We'll get the final readings next week. But they say manufacturing actually picked up. Now, it's still in contraction, but from 46.9 to 47.8, it beat expectations. So this below 50 stuff is certainly disinflationary and accomplishes the Fed's goals uh, if they can do it uh, without significantly impacting employment in a negative way. In services, services actually went into expansion ever so slightly. The flash reading for February services from S&P Global, 50.5, and that was pretty significantly above uh, expectations. Back to the disinflationary uh, front, uh, the tip of the spear is going to be housing and existing home sales and new home sales came last week. You can see existing home sales have absolutely fallen off of a, a nice black diamond ski hill that we see here. Uh, existing home sales were running six and a half million a year uh, when interest rates were essentially zero and now they are running at about four million, uh, that is a significant drop, uh, more than you know, more than a third. The estimate for uh, December's pace was to be, excuse me, January's pace was to be 4.2, so significantly below. Also, there's never been, even during the housing crisis, a 12 straight month of consecutive declines. So we've got to be getting somewhere near the bottom. Uh, on the pace for existing home sales. New home sales have actually already picked up, surprisingly, because interest rates, um, they have come down a little from the peak, but not significantly. New home sales rose 7.2% to a pace of 670,000 annually uh, versus an estimate of 620, still down almost 20% from same time uh, last year. And the labor market remains still resilient and unimpacted by the Fed's uh, attempt to, to rein in the economy and to bring down inflationary pressures in the economy. Uh, they want to do so without impacting the jobs market. Now, policy acts with a lag. I think in the end, they will impact the jobs market. 
Um, uh, but they, there's always this tendency to see the rate hikes and see the balance sheet runoff and expect uh, to have immediate results. Uh, that is not the case. Policy works with a lag, and they want to see, they really do want to see that policy uh, impact this labor market, and they want to see jobless claims starting to come up because that will take the inflationary pressure out of the labor market, not that they don't care about people working. Personally, I think you can have economic growth and full employment and raise the standard of living of the American worker uh, without significant inflationary pressures. And a lot of what we're talking about today, where the inflationary pressures come from, it's come from uh, large amounts of fiscal spending in excess of what the economy really needs or, or demands. Anyway, continuing claims also uh, fell a little bit to $1.65 million to go with the 192000 of initial weekly claims. We got uh, fourth quarter revised GDP. Uh, originally came, the print was 2.9%, came in at 2.7. That was even below the estimate. Personal consumption also down a little bit, 2.1 to 1.4. That's helpful on the disinflationary front, um, but they want to see that core PCE number really come down. Personal income was up in January following a three-tenths of a percent gain in December. Don't forget, personal income is not just wages, right? It's uh, income received from rent, interest, dividend payments, all of the things that count as income to uh, U.S. people. There's a lot of us, you know, a lot of folks that don't maybe have a W-2 income but live off of interest and dividends, and those dividends tend to rise over time, and interest payments, which have been next to nil for about a decade, now are starting to show up on people's income statements. They're, of course, very happy about that. Personal spending... In January, gained 1.8, well above expectations. Perhaps it's all that additional interest income. The big number of the week was PCE. Now, there are many gauges for inflation. The Federal Reserve Board uh, has its favorite, and its favorite is this one, PCE, and particularly the red line, core PCE, personal consumption expenditures. They say that in January, prices rose six-tenths of a percent, see that here, six-tenths. That was above the five-tenths estimate. They're up 5.4 from a year ago above the 5% estimate. Now, if you look above here, headline numbers coming down pretty significantly, core coming down much less on a percentage basis, and really almost flatlining. That's what causes the markets to get to have some grief. They said, okay, we peaked, we've come down, we've come down a little uptick, down again. And then that uptick right there uh, to a core year-over-year rate of 4.7, the markets were, you know, we're, we're hoping for two at some point, but estimating 4.3. So everybody said, wow, the Fed's going to need to keep rates higher for longer, which is what they've been saying since day one. And the market, us, have all said, no, inflation's going to roll over faster, and it does not appear to be rolling over as fast as we thought. Still, it's not time to say inflation is going up or anything like that, because that is a downward trend. We do see it there, just not as pronounced as uh, we had expected. It's a question of if, not when. And the thing that changed last week was the when, not the if. The other thing that's happening is consumers are slowly but surely saying things are getting better. Consumer sentiment in February rose to the highest level in a year. That's that's interesting because, well, inflation talk, right, and recession talk and all this, yet consumers, because of the tight labor market and the, the ability to earn income, consumers are saying, hey, things are getting better. 
They say current conditions rose and future expectations rose. So that's pretty interesting. The other thing that's been happening uh, is there's a lot of talk about uh, earnings estimates for the S&P 500 being too high. And that earnings estimates have to come down as the economy slows and therefore the stock market's probably uh, overvalued. Uh, I think there's there's some element of truth to that, but there's also some element of it maybe nearing the end. Um, this graph here shows the blended forward earnings per share estimates for the S&P 500. Now, they peaked back in June, and they're down. And you can see that number here is about $223 today. And that's after we've essentially gotten through earnings season. We do have some big retail names yet this week, Costco, Walmart, et cetera. But for the most part, the earnings estimates have come down uh, since June. This is, um, this is you know, very significant. This is eight months of slow but steady decline in earnings estimates. The question always becomes, when does it stop? Well, as we were going through earnings season the last four weeks, what I saw, this is a zooming in on the previous chart, is that earnings estimates stopped going down earlier this month, beginning of February. And you know, after all those estimate revisions, and then you get into report, reporting season and you get that forward guidance, I think not only were earnings not as bad as feared, they were a little better than expected. And that's why you've seen that just kind of stop. In fact, wait and see here in the next couple of weeks if they even get above this level and break out of this sort of what I call a flat line here. And so how are stocks really all that expensive? Well, if you take that forward earnings estimate and you assume it's constant, it's not going to go any higher or any lower, I think you're looking at about a 17.7 multiple in a 10-year average multiple on the S&P is about that, maybe a tad lower, not enough to make a major tactical decision in our view. But if you think those earnings estimates are going down significantly, well, then, of course, then the market's trading at a much higher multiple. However, back to that previous chart, if those revisions have troughed and actually could start going higher six or eight months from now, then you're actually at probably a lower multiple. Only one way to know is find out and that's just to see how everything develops. And so what is the fulcrum? What is this point that's likely to determine market directionality um, over the next, let's call it six to 12 months. Well, it, it all comes down to um, inflation. Now this graph, the blue line represents the two-year forward inflation break-evens, highly sensitive to the short-term news and short-term inflation reports. And you can see, you know, you're COVID, you're going into a deflationary expectation, then massive monetary and fiscal stimulus, you go into an inflationary expectation where you had five year forwards. And now they were really coming down. Same with the five year, that's the white line, the five year inflation break evens have been coming down. And they spiked in the last three weeks when inflation numbers across the board were essentially a little worse than expected. But I still maintain that it's a question of if, it's a question of when, not if, that inflation goes down. I don't think either of these numbers can re, are going to return to this. How could they? We have high interest rates. We have restrictive interest rates. We have Fed balance sheet runoff. We are deprinting money. We are shredding money on a, on a, on a monthly basis uh, from our central bank. So yes, we've had a little spike, but it's a spike in a downward trend. 
So from a long-term investment perspective, I feel that, okay, the Fed is doing what it needs to do for the best interest of the economy and it essentially becomes the best interest of investors um, as we speak. But what really spooked the market was this. Not only did everybody's inflation expectations go higher, which really means we just pushed out the return to 2% inflation, in my mind. That's all we did. We just pushed it out collectively on the street. And if you look at uh, 30 days ago versus today, world interest rate probabilities in the U.S., and this represents the implied policy rate, the blue, which is the left-hand scale. So we had short-term rates peaking at around 5% in about June of this year. That was on January 27th. Now we've got inflation, or excuse me, uh, Fed funds uh, policy rate peaking at almost five and a half, it's about 5.4%. And it's later this year, that's July, August, September, but both the January expectations and the February expectations do show ultimately a peak in policy rate and then it rolling over. Can this get extended out further again if we get another bad inflation report? Yeah, certainly can. I don't think it turns into early 1980s style massive rate hikes to, you know, the Paul Volcker, Ronald Reagan type hikes because I don't think inflation is uh, as is embedded today uh, as it was back then. Okay, lots of economic data this week along with uh, a lot of that retail earnings that I mentioned, uh, durable goods, pending home sales uh, this morning, wholesale inventories, house prices, Case Shiller and uh, FHFA, Chicago PMI expected to be below 50, consumer confidence expected to come up a little just like Michigan did. Um, S&P Global now will come out with its PMIs. Those are expected to be below uh, 48 on manufacturing along with, uh, that's the final. Remember, I showed you the preliminary. Then you've got ISM, also 47.8. Both of those modest contraction. Construction set spending, auto sales, weekly claims, uh, the misprint there, they're coming in, estimated, I think, 194. I'll have to double-check that. For, fourth quarter, non-farm productivity, labor costs, services, uh, PMI from S&P, as well as ISM. ISM is looking for a healthy 54.5 as reopening and service and pent-up demand for travel and leisure just continues um, on. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll be back to you again next week.